Good morning, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Morning Glory Sessions, Dad Boy Bible. Uh, so I want to talk today about something I touched on on, I think it was Monday. And the reason I want to talk, talk about it now is um, I went out for a walk yesterday with a guy to the gym, like a fucking rebel psychopath. I met up with someone, hello Nicola, how are you doing, who was outside of my bubble and we walked and we talked and we fucking done what normal human beings done and it was amazing. But um, well, this guy is a member of my gym and he's been feeling pretty down recently. Like a lot of people have been feeling really down about just the last 12 months of its effectiveness. And we were talking this guy's got a lot of weight to lose, and he's determined to lose this time. And he wanted to go to the gym and train. I was like, no, we can't go to the gym and train. We need to get you out walking. Simply because his mindset isn't right, and if his mindset isn't right, then he's not going to really be able to dedicate himself to the training because training is stress. And str the more stress we add upon the, the stress we live in, we live in chronic stress, it's going to be hard to keep it going. So we just told him, right, listen, let's go for a walk and let's have a chat because that is what humans are meant to do. We're meant to chat, we're meant to talk, we're meant to meet up, we're meant to walk in nature. And funny enough, because he because he done this, he felt fucking amazing. Who would have known? Imagine being able to help yourself out and be able to save yourself from fucking all this mental stress by actually just meeting up and going to talk with a friend in nature. It's amazing what the power of nature can do and the, when you act like a human, what it can do for your own mindset. But... One of the things I spoke about the other day was, I said on Monday, maybe you have been watching me on Instagram, you probably wouldn't have seen this, but I said that, would you be happy if your daughter brought home a guy who was the current version you are today? Would that make you happy to know that your daughter was going to live the rest of her life with a guy who looks like you, who acts like you today? Or if you have a son's, would you be happy if your son's main influence in life would be someone who's very similar to you today? Obviously, they're not going to, right? You're probably not going to do this. But I said to him, and then, I'm sorry, and then I got a, 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 WhatsApp, a random WhatsApp message from last night from a guy who's been watching the podcast, and he sort of spoke about the similar similar things and how it was affecting him and thanking me for just talking and talking. So I said to him, watch this today because I'm going to talk, I'm going to delve in a wee bit about kids and our kids today and how our kids can actually help us grow and we, what we can learn from our kids because... As, as adults, we seem to think that, as parents, we seem to think that, you know, our job in life is to to tell our children how to live their lives. The, really, the, the reality is, hi Chris, how you going mate? Um, the reality is, um, if we're smart and intelligent enough, our kids can teach us a hell of a lot about what we have forgotten as, as when it comes to living as normal human beings. So I said to them, do, I said to the mate last night or yesterday, do this exercise. I want you to write down the qualities that you would want in the man that your your daughter's going to marry or the qualities you would want for the guy that's going to influence your son to have. And I want you to write down, take your time. You know, you could think like, for, for me, I do it as a, as a dad of two daughters. So I'd be like going, okay, I want the guy to be, um, I want to be respectful. I want him to be caring. I want him to be loving. I want him to be honest. I want him to be open to his emotions and honest with his emotions. I would like him to be protecting, driven, fair, um, level-headed, uh, what else, principled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So when you finish that off, boom, 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 you got all those letters down, got all those words down. Then I want you to tick off all the, the, the words you've wrote that describe you right now. And what I said to him is you're going to find that if you're unhappy with who you are currently today, you're going to have very little 
of those words you wrote down, and what you you're not going to see yourself in many of those words. You're going to see probably the complete opposite, and that's sort of giving you an indication of um of how to where you're going wrong. You know, and this is where people are so. This is what that causes a lot of problems with people. You know, the person they want to be, the guy they envision themselves being, and the guy they're currently living, the guy they currently see themselves as today they're not running congruent. And that's causing a disconnect in the harmony of your life, shall we say. And that's leading to you feeling very frustrated, very um, depressed about yourself. And the sad thing about it is, regardless of what you want or what, what you are currently, if you've got young children like I do, your your personality today, your, the, the, the man you are today, is going to have a direct influence on the men they look towards in their future. Because ultimately, whether you're we you got sons or daughters, or your your parents are your first indication of what love is. They they they're the indication of what how you should live life. And even if they, as they grow and they form their own personalities, deep seated in that deep subconscious mind, there is a reflection of who you are being seated in their minds, and they're going to start expecting. So if you're an abusive, if if they're seeing a, a man abusing the mother. And that's what they see every day. Well, then the, the woman, the, the chances are that your daughters are going to be more inclined to go towards a man who's going to be abusive. A man who's going, if you're, if you're, if you're the type of guy that cheats on your wife and get caught all the time and the wife continues to take you back, well, you're going to be the type of guy, they're, they're going to look for the type of guy that does that as well. Because in their messed up subconscious mind, that is what love is. Because that is their first um, example, their first experience of love. And if it's a guy, if it's a young man, you know, if you're if you're the guy that's beating the shit out of your wife, or whatever it is, cheating, well, then your son is going probably going to end up that type of guy as well. So in this, when you're a parent, we don't, I don't think we actually um, understand the responsibility and the what we need to do because we we're going to we're going to be their biggest role models, their youngest role models, they're sponges when they're young. That's why kids learn that language so well when they're kids because they're just, their minds are sponges and they're going to be taking this in and they're going to be associating and they're going to be building their their uh, perspective of life based upon your actions. Now, I'm not saying this is all you. There's obviously going to be outside factors. And the other thing I was going thinking about was we, as, as parents, we make this mistake. By the way, I'm like the Billy Connolly of podcasting here. Like I will go fucking from one tangent to the next tangent and come back ten minutes later to another tangent. I've been trying. I've got notes here to try to keep myself on track, but I'll probably lose it. So I'm just letting you know if you if you think what the fuck are you talking about, it's because that's the way my mind works. It's crazy. You wouldn't want to be inside it. If you know me, you understand. If you don't, you'll get to. So uh, I've lost what I was going to say. Again. Um, yeah. So that you imprint the your their imprint of love is going to be based upon what you what you do your actions and this is a very when you think about this and you actually meditate on it it's a it's a it's a big responsibility and i don't think as parents we actually realize this because our children there's yes they're ours it's but we're they're not ours do you know you are not your parents you're, you're your own person and as kids we think think they're our children and we must protect them and we must love them and we must care for them we must make sure they're safe but ultimately we can't live their life for them all we can do is guide them. And uh, thanks, Chris. I'm very well as as well. You know, you know what you know I'm like. Um, we we need to we need to realize that we need to step back sometimes and let them live our lives. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because I, I live with Gail. She's got two kids, Rory and Lucia, who's seven and nine, and I've got my own two kids, Avelyn and Sive, who are four and seven. Now, 
I'm looking at Evelyn. Evelyn's like, she is still a baby in my eyes. She's still, she's my wee princess, she's my baby, and she's my last, she's going to be my last child. And I'm sort of sad to see her grow up because I love that loving curing that is hugs in the mornings. But one thing I know about Evelyn is, like all children who are young, she lives in the moment. She lives by her emotions, which is a good thing is at that age, you know, Evelyn falls, starts crying. And I know it's not a big fall, but she's looking sympathy. She's tra- She's been conditioned to go on a five fall and I cry. I'm going to get picked up by daddy and I'm going to give her hugs. And now, I, as, a, as a young baby, that's great. But if that continues every time they fall and you're going to rush over them and pick them up, well, then that's going to start ingraining the pattern in their mind that this is what they do to get responsive, to get sort of um, attention from you, to get love and to get feeling, which, by the way, love is what your the words build upon, so it's good to do that. But... I also know that if I tickle her, if I know it's nothing serious, she hasn't really hurt herself and she's just crying, if I tickle her, within two seconds she's laughing her head off and I make a joke out of it, she'll be laughing. She lives in the moment. And then I look at Saev and Lucia. Now, there's only one day between Saev and Lucia and I see the two of them. They're still children, still babies, but they're not babies anymore. You know, they're starting to, they're seven, they're starting to develop a bit. And you can see they're becoming more aware of their peers, their, their persona and how light, how they're how they're reflected on upon by other people, and you know they're they're worried about they're starting to get more conscious of how they act in other front of people, and they're starting to change how they react in situations, which is maturity. And then you've got Rory, who's nine, and he's much more uh, he's much more politically aware of the landscape, shall we say? You know, he, he can he can sense people. He's a very intelligent kid, and he can see he can see these things. But our actions, our actions play a huge part. In their um, development, and whether they're they are impacted by how we think, because how we think we'll act, we'll react to we we react as we think. So with Save, Save is very um she's very very caring. She's very she's very loving. She's very but she's also very insecure. You know she she always needs reassurance, and I've noticed that that's actually well part of its personality so genetically that but she reminds me an awful lot of the child I was. And I found myself being very hard on Saif because I was living in a state of fear. I could see what Saif was doing. I could see a lot of things that then Saif and me, that was me at that age. And then I started future forecasting. And this is what us parents do. We, 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 it's our job, I suppose, but we, we live in a state of like worry about our children. And if we see something that they're doing, and it maybe reminds you subconsciously, it's going to remind you of something that you've experienced in life or a personality trait in your life that didn't serve you well, you're going to automatically try to stop that happening because you're thinking to yourself of your life experiences and how that's affected you. Well, this is what I'm talking about when I say this. I'm talking about my own personal experiences, like a confession thing for me. I realized that I was. Um, casting my fears on the side and that was having a negative impact on how she reacted to the world and it's it's been very hard for me to let go of that you know and what i done what i realized i done was that i was almost being really hard on her i i was the fear of her living the, the experience that i had the suicidal attempts the the depression the fear the bullying it was so hard that i was actually becoming really really hard inside and i was destroying her destroying her confidence and it was a very painful moment for me to accept these things because the reality is, as adults, as as people, we're, deli- we're sort of driven by two main things, pleasure and pain. 
you know, that, that's, that's all you're ever going to have, pleasure and pain. You're either driven towards pleasure or you drive away from, or you move away from pain. Now, pain is probably the biggest driver. Like a good example, I'd say, like if I said to you, I'll give you a million pounds if you stick your hand in the fire for 10 seconds. You might do it. What if I said 30 seconds? Mm, maybe some of maybe still psychopathic enough to do that. What if I said you have to hold your fire in the, your hand in the middle of that fire for two minutes? Would a million pound be enough? Would 10 million pound be enough? I'd say most people go, fuck that. They wouldn't be able to do it. Their hand would be put automatically, before they could even do it, their hand is going to be pulled away from pain. So pain is our overriding factor, you know, of, of our drivers. And that is what I was doing. I was, the fear of the pain that I went through was driving me towards giving Sai a hard time for being hurt. And that affected me. And and then I started speaking to my friends, and they're all still telling me, like, fuck, I do that as well. It's it seems to be a natural evolution of parent, the parenting we, we seem to do. And like if, if I'm honest, my personality probably comes from my parents, my mother. She she was she was very protective over me and she would like pick me up and I and I would sort of do that cry when I was a kid and all. And that sort of that made me very soft. And my dad was never really around as a kid. He was playing golf all the time, fuck's sake. But he grew up and then think about it, we grew up when I grew up, it was 80s, early 90s, that's my, that's my age group. So they were thinking along the lines of the fears of the troubles, the fears of like um, paramilitaries, the fear of joyriding, etc. That, that, that's what drove them to to protect me and, to, and stop me doing the things I did. And then that really helped form part of my personality, which then I've passed on to my daughters. And it's going to be the exact same for all of us. But when I look when I look at Sive and... Actually, I see I see a confidence in her that I've changed. I've started changing. I'm sort of letting her go. Gail's very good at me with doing this. Gail's like, Paul, would you ever fucking let her go? Just let her climb the tree and all. I'd be like, oh, Sai, don't do that. I'm always freaking because she's very clumsy. She's not that clumsy age, right? She's very strong, but she's very clumsy. She's reminds me so much of me. It's a laugh. But she's always like dropping stuff or she'll fall. And like the other day we're walking, I think she fell three times in space of like two minutes. I don't know how she done it. Like literally on the flat planes. So when she's climbing a tree, I'm terrified. I'm always like, oh. And I find myself having to hold back and, and stop myself from jumping in to prevent her because I am I am already future forecasting that fear that she's going to fall, she's going to hurt herself. But you, when you think about it, life is pain. Life, life is pleasure. Life is pain. You're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. I'm going to give you my coffee. Give me my coffee. We're naturally going to fall. We're naturally going to hurt ourselves. We're, we're going to have our ups and downs. That is, that's what makes life worth living. And we can't protect ourselves. We can't protect our children, put them in a bubble because we're stifling their development. And ultimately, they're their own person. They are not ours to, to, like, to dictate to. Our, our job is to steer them. And I, what I've become is I've tried to, I've tried to become a rock to save. I, I'm sad rock, you know, I'm the, I'm that, I have to let her live her life and when she needs to rest, I'm the person she can lean on. I'm that, I'm that rock she can rest upon until she's ready to go again. And that is a parent, that's what we need to do. But if you look at your children and you watch your children and you, you don't interfere as much as we do, you will find that they're going to teach you lessons. They're going to teach you lessons in life. They're going to teach you lessons on how to love. They're going to teach you, teach, teach you lessons on how to live in the moment. And that is where we're feeling as adults. We live in a world where we are full of stress right now. Our stress levels are through chronic stress, not um, not uh, acute stress. Acute stress is natural. When we grew up, and if I say this all the time, when we evolved on the plains of Africa or wherever we were, 
we seen a saber tooth tiger in the distance. It was chasing us. We would run like fuck and we'd climb a tree or whatever and we'd get out of the get out of the way of it. Or we'd go into a cave, we'd be shitting ourselves and we'd come out. But after that sort of fear dissipated, we went back to a normal baseline level of stress where we could cope. And today, look at look what's happening today, lockdowns, etc. We are we are living in a state of chronic stress. So we've got Worries about our kids, worries about our health, worries about our payment bills, worries about jobs, worries about what's happening, worries about are we getting a holiday, well, we're not getting a holiday, worries about all these other things. And this is accumulative stress. And it's we're now constantly living in the same environmental stress. And it's come to the point where we have actually accepted this level of stress as normal. Shall we call it the new normal? But the this this just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's right, and it doesn't mean that is what we're looking for or we, what we should be looking for. We need to be looking at ways of de-stressing, and the answers to de-stressing is living in the moment with our children. I can guarantee you right now, you go out and play the football, you get a football, and you go out and play the kids, <clears throat> and you do this. You, you, you're not worrying about your bills. You're not worrying about the, what's happening outside the world. You're not worrying about the TV and what, they're, what the, the propaganda they're pushing down our throats every day. You're focused at that moment on laughing. And inside everybody, remember, we were all babies. We were all children. We were all teenagers. We were all adults. We have we have went through the whole plethora of life up to this point. So deep in our psyche are those memories of climbing trees. It's those memories of doing whatever we want to do at that moment. You ever see a kid, that the kids, if they get bored of something, they're like, oh, bored, right, let's do something else. And they move on and they play a game. I'm bored of that, let's play something else. I'm bored, let's climb a tree. I'm bored of that, let's do something else. There's never anything, there's never, they don't do anything if they don't want to do it, shall we say, you know, when, they, when it comes to their playing. And that is something that we need to do. When our, like, look at our training, look how we train. We train because, most of us train because we're worried about our health. And then we go on the Instagram, we go on the Facebook and we see all these guys ripped and we think, okay, I want to be like that because looking like that, look at the life they're projecting there. That looks amazing. That's what I want for my life. So then we start following their routines, even if we're not enjoying it. Even though for a lot of people, lifting weights is not their thing. That's fine. But we project, I'm as guilty as it. We project this muscle, this, this message, you must lift weights. Well, you must lift weights. You should lift weights, but it doesn't mean you have to. There's, there's examples of millions, billions of people who don't lift weights and live happy lives. But we've been conditioned through Instagram, through Facebook, through social media to think that this is what we must do to in order to have a healthy lifestyle. And if we have a healthy lifestyle, we're going to have a better life because look at the, look at their, the message being portrayed on social media. These guys look happy. They're not, they're miserable. And, we, and, and logically, we know they're not happy. Logically, we know they're miserable. But this, this deep, rooted hope and it's, it's, the reason there's hope is because there's an emptiness inside us and that's the reason why so many of us like to drink at the weekend or smoke weed at the weekend or fucking take heroin take coke whatever it is there's an emptiness we're trying to fill inside there's a void inside of us that we're not being filled by our current living standards so we're looking for an escape i, I used to go with a girl who worked with um a lot of heroin addicts and the overwhelming uh message was they didn't want to do heroin because they enjoyed it. They did it because it stopped the pain. And if you read Lost Connections, if you read Chasing the Screen by Yohan Hardy, you'll hear hundreds of examples of their two great books, by the way, that you'll start explaining, you know, these these junkies, like I will never call a, a heroin user a junkie anymore. I'm using junkie because it's what most people call. These junkies, they're not, 
they're not choosing that life because they want it. They're choosing that life because the life they're currently living are in so much pain that heroin seems to be a great escape, even though we're five minutes. So the addiction is the escape. The addiction is the break from their normality. And this is, and, and in a way, we're all like those heroin users. We're all like, but except we're more um, socially, socially acceptable, shall we say, or, you know, we're functional alcohol, like a hiring functional alcoholics. How many people are, do you know, that are literally alcoholics? Though they hold a job, they hold a family, but behind closed doors, they're drinking bottles of vodka. I know, home, well, not homeless, but I know a lot of guys and girls who are in that state. And I have a lot of my friends, not friends, but people I have worked with and people I know would have been that way and they've got themselves out. So this is prevalent throughout society. We just choose to put the blinkers on and pretend it's not happening. But it's a reality. And our children can be a way of escaping that. And if we just open our eyes and we stop trying to be the mum, be the dad, and actually allow ourselves to let, let our inner child come out, you will find your relationship with your children growing to the point of exactly what you want. We want to be that influence to our children that's going to help them make the decisions in life that's going to benefit them, that's going to push them towards um, a better way of living. And by, doing, and, and by engaging with them on their level and letting ourselves... Forget about oh shit! Everyone's watching me. I don't like. I'm I'm pretty good that way. Anyone knows me. I'm a big child at heart, and I will run about and go Bruh! and do all these stupid moves and laughs because ultimately I know I feel fucking great doing that. When when I play with the kids and I really just immerse myself in that moment, I find the stress levels just disappear because I'm I'm no longer the adult. I'm no longer this conscious adult, we're living in this world, this perception of the world we live in. I am back to that 10-year-old child, that 8-year-old child. I'm trying to climb a tree. I'm racing them across the bed. I'm I'm being the hero to them. I'm letting them win races and then I'm beating them at the end and I'm playing football with them, keeping the ball off them and I'm laughing. And laughter is one of the greatest cures for depression. I know. Trust me. When you feel depressed, when you laugh, that depression will lift. Even if it's only temporary, you will lift that depression. And this is one of the greatest things our kids can teach us. But the thing is, we're too maybe egotistical to allow that to actually be a thing, to allow us to consider that maybe we don't know it all and that our children could be one of the greatest teachers we could have. And our teachers, our children could have the answer to a lot of our emotional problems, a lot of our emotional baggage and a lot of our negative thought patterns if we just take the time to watch them, embrace them and engage with them. We'll find that we'll feel so much better about ourselves and that we'll start living life the way we're meant to live it in the moment and not in the past where there's depression or in the future where it creates anxiety. Anyway, that's me for today and I'll see you tomorrow.